I'm Chris Farrell from the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast, a wacky weekend morning show, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and the opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to episode 249 of Better Podcasting. On this show, we do our best Jamie and Adam impressions as we bust some mess. In this week's Better Podcasting download, we talk about a Rodecaster Pro firmware update, or is it a Rode Procaster firmware update? And finally, in this week's Better Podback, we have a listener who continues the search for podcast competitions and awards. Lauren, start the show now. Welcome to Better Podcasting. With a combined history of over a thousand episodes and starting as early as 2008, we are hobby podcasters through and through, just like you. That's why we are different. We minimize the money talk so that you can focus on building a better podcast. Here are the hosts for the show, Stephen John Drew and Stargate Pioneer. Welcome to episode 249 of Better Podcasting. I am Stephen, and with me, of course, is the wonderful SP. You know, one of the great things I like about our intro voiceover is the fact that I podcast with the professional voiceover talent that she is. It's Lauren from Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., and it's really great hearing her voice because usually at this time I'm editing an episode of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., so I'm hearing a lot of Lauren usually on Tuesdays within Better Podcasting and editing Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's just a great Lauren party here for me. Well, I am happy that she introduces us every week because she is clearly the best part of this show. Unless, of course, you submit to us, listener or viewer, a How I Save My Podcast story. Then it's a close tie there because you can start off our show each week if you send us a How I Saved My Podcast story. If something went wrong with your podcast and you fixed it, we would love if you would send us an audio clip or a video clip or an email to podcast at betterpodcasting.com. We would love to hear from you about that. And that's just to help your fellow podcasters know what went wrong and how you fixed it so that when something goes wrong for them, hopefully they have a little bit of inspiration to help save their podcast. You know, this wasn't anything that went wrong, but it's a little tip that I've learned this past week. So I take the video file that we do for Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. and I pull it down from YouTube. And I've learned that I have to do that 12 hours after the recording is ending. It doesn't let me download it. This has been perpetual for the last couple of months, actually. It doesn't let me download it until 12 hours to the minute. I actually timed it this past time uh, yesterday as I was doing it. So yesterday morning, I was downloading it and it downloaded a file. But then I went into properties because it looked a little bit small and it was 640 by 360. It wasn't the full 720 that it normally should be. So I waited about a half an hour. I forget how long I actually waited. I did not time this. And I went back in and it downloaded the 720 file instead. So for those of you who record onto live YouTube and you try to get that file downloaded later, one, you're probably going to have to wait 12 hours. So if it's time sensitive, you might want to look into recording on your own machine like Steven does. And two, 
make sure that you look at the quality of the file once you get it down because you don't want to be editing in 360 when you can be editing in 720. Interesting. Um, been a long time since I've downloaded a file. Maybe I'll have to keep an eye on it after because theoretically it could be something API related because you use StreamYard. So it could be something with that with the not closing off or something. But I'm, uh, I think that that is really good warning because you should definitely take a break in between the end of your recording session and the beginning of your editing session. So I think 12 hours is a good sanity break. It has to be, especially if you're podcasting with Steven. So anyway, that's a little tip. If you have a tip or a how I saved your podcast story, as Steven mentioned before, we would love to hear and share with the class. We make it no secret that at Better Podcasting, we try to look at podcasting advice from the lens of the hobby podcaster. This is because we think that in the world of podcast creation, there is a lot of advice that is tailored towards individuals or companies who are just trying to make money on podcasting. We believe that this partially contributes to certain false expectations when it comes to people trying to get into the podcasting space. In the past, we've also made it no secret that we think it's easy that podcasters' expectations can sometimes end up being a little clouded as they enter into the podcast space because of these situations. In fact, we did a whole episode back in episode 78 that was called The Cruel Reality of Starting a Podcast. But there's another variable when it comes to unrealistic expectations in the podcast space, that the podcast space is constantly evolving. Tease, we might have a little bit more on this in next week's episode. And we think that when you combine these variables all together, that means that there are a lot of myths about podcasting that hobbyists might believe, and maybe even some myths about hobby podcasting itself. And that's why today we want to talk about myths in hobby podcasting in 2021. Now, as we go through these different myths, we'll group them into our patented better podcasting groupings of the podcasting process. That's prep, recording, editing, publishing, and promoting. And it would not be a better podcasting episode if we didn't have that miscellaneous category at the end. So SP, why don't you kick it off with your favorite category, the prep. All right. It seems like we've been doing a lot of this lately, but we're going to go way back to our first episode and talk about the topic. Yeah. The myth here is that you have to have a unique topic to be successful for your podcast. Now, back in the day, this was a piece of advice that you heard regularly in the space. You had to be unique to get listeners. With the podcasting space continuing to grow, now at least 2 million podcasts available and counting, and also becoming incredibly accessible for pe people to start podcasting, it's really difficult to find a totally unique topic anymore. So in today's world, we think it's unrealistic to think that the main topic of your podcast is completely original. Now, we're not saying that you can rip off people straight up and copy their topics and formats and their shows. But what we're saying is that the odds are that there's an element of the focal subject matter that are shared with other podcasters already. 
We think that if you try to find a completely unique topic, you'll find yourself in a vicious cycle of development procrastination and you're never going to launch. So this is something that we're going to do for the rest of the episode. We're going to talk about a myth and then we're going to talk about the elements of truth behind the myth. So here's some elements of truth of this myth, which is you have to have a unique topic to be successful. First, while you have to accept that you may not have a unique focal topic, you should consider what your show is going to uniquely offer. Every show needs to have something that makes it stand out and you need to find out what that is. Some examples of this include your unique personality or analysis. Two different shows can discuss the same material and come out with two different results. Matter of fact, it might be more than two. But recently, I became aware of another Canadian-based podcast called The Tower of Babel. And Babel is spelled B-A-B-B-L-E. Now, this is a decent geek-related discussion podcast, not unlike some aspects of the Gunna Geek show that Stephen and I do with Chris or the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. show that I talked about that has Lauren on and Michelle. Now, the main host of the Tower of Babel podcast is Julian. He's nice and well-spoken and produces an overall decent show. But I will tell you this, Julian and myself simply don't agree on a few points like, for example, wanting to watch the Snyderverse cut at two and a half times speed or thinking going to a theater is not a requirement anymore. For example, the recent Godzilla movie that just came out a couple of weeks ago or the upcoming Black Widow film. I'm fine staying at home and watching it on my nice home theater. Julian thinks that you need to go see it on this hundred foot screen in a movie theater. He also thinks that you should consume products at the speed of which the producers want you to consume. So he was against watching the Snyderverse cut at two and a half speed. For those of you that don't know, the Snyderverse cut is a four hour long version of the Justice League movie that came out a few years ago. So of course I wanted to speed it up because otherwise I wasn't going to sit down and watch it for four hours. Anyway, we, Julian and I, are two very different hosts with two different personalities and analysis takes on geeky related topics. And both Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Tower of Babel are fine to exist in the same pod space. Another example is behind the scenes access. Now, both Steven and I have enjoyed watching shows like Star Trek Voyager, right, Steven? Absolutely. And you know what? Having a Star Trek Voyager review podcast would be a really good idea, I think, that you and I could cover. Both you and I have done different TV series reviews over the years um, in podcast form. Obviously, the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. one that you mentioned. You've done Voices of Defiance. Uh, I, I've guested on your Starling Tribune podcast. I did the Walking of the Walking Dead podcast. So we've got a bit of experience here when it comes to talking about TV series and doing podcasts around them. We could offer our opinions and our knowledge and our humor, or lack thereof, we should say, to any potential listener that might come to this theoretical uh, podcast on Star Trek Voyager that we might do. But there is one sad thing that we cannot provide as fans, just fans of Star Trek Voyager. It's that we can't provide behind-the-scenes insights. And the reason we use this example about Star Trek Voyager is because there are industry uh, insiders that do run podcasts on subject matter. And in this case, you if you're into Star Trek Voyager, there's actually a podcast called The Delta Flyers, which is hosted by a couple of the stars of Star Trek Voyager that do give that inside information. So 
really, it's an example about how there could be two different podcasts that have a similar topic, but offer different points of view. In the case of the Delta Flyers, they're going to have that inside perspective as opposed to SPNI, which would just have that fan perspective. There's infinite ways that you can stand out on the same topic as other podcasts. And the key is to find one of those ways that work for you and execute on it. You're a creative person. You can make that work. Don't get fixated with trying to find that absolute unique topic. It's probably not going to happen. Now, this next myth is another prep myth, and it's one that I think sadly continues to get firmer and firmer. You could just wing it and improv your entire show. So in case you're not already a celebrity or a known social influencer, very few potential listeners are going to press play on your show just to hear you ramble for X amount of minutes wherever you record each episode. Instead, there will probably be a certain amount of, well, actual preparing that you're going to need to do before you record an episode. You might need to do some research and organize it prior to recording, and you might want to reduce your post-production editing time and actually outline the subject that you want to talk about. So there are some things that kind of bust this myth of just winging it and improve your entire show. Now, there's some elements of truth in this. Now, on this one, our element of truth is limited, but it is an important one. You have to have to podcast in order to develop your podcasting skills. Now, a podcaster that spends all their time in a vicious cycle of preparing their show, but does never record, will never refine their podcasting skills compared to a podcaster that wings it with little prep. Like with many academics, you can only go so far before you need the hands-on experience to improve further with your podcasting skills. Now, the bottom line on this one is that you need to find the right amount of prep to improve your show as well as forcing yourself in an uncomfortable situation or situations to gain that experience you need to execute on the prep and improve your podcast. So now we're done with the preparing part of the show. We're going to move on to the recording category. And the first myth I'll let Steven take is you need to have expensive hardware to sound good. If you've listened to Better Podcasting for more than an episode, you'll probably know that we often recommend the Audio-Technica AT2005, ATR2100, or the Samsung Q2U microphones as a good starting place microphone. And the reason that we recommend this is because we think that it's a relatively inexpensive product that can make you sound quite listenable to your listeners. And that's the key goal when it comes to your podcast is you want to start with audio that is listenable. You want your audience to hear your podcast and not be distracted by poor audio quality. And we think that that's the focal point that you should have when you start out podcasting, not looking for the greatest of the great, not looking for the best audio quality ever. You want to have listenable audio quality. And so with this here, we would say the elements of truth that comes to this myth is that the reality is that in general, if you do invest in better quality audio, you can often improve your sound. An RE320 usually does sound better than an ATR2100. A properly set up recording studio with proper soundproofing and 
proper acoustics and everything will probably sound better than an RE320 that's set up in your den. It's just the reality of spending a little bit more on that. As well, we want to highlight that one of the other elements is that sometimes if you spend a little bit on audio equipment, you can make certain aspects of the recording process easier. Now, will it be worth it for you to invest in that upgrade, whatever that might be for your audio equipment? It's really a subjective answer. It depends on a lot of things. It depends on if you have a lot of reverb in your studio. It depends on where you're recording. It depends on how many people you're recording and that sort of thing. So it is subjective and it's dependent upon your particular situation. Moving on to the next myth. If I prep my show well, recording's just going to be easy. We've made it no secret that we think that you should spend time prepping your show. I just talked about it. It's an important part of podcasting. But now, no matter how much you prep, it doesn't guarantee an easy recording session. There are a variety of things that can make the process difficult. It might be a technical issue, like losing a section of recording. That's happened to me before. Or maybe you're just having an off day and every few sentences you say a mistake and you just stumble over a word or you say the complete wrong thing and you have to go back and reset. No matter what the reason, things can take an unpredictable turn during recording when you least expect it, and prepping won't guarantee that they don't. Give you some examples from Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. just off the top of my head. Cats have a way <laughs> of crossing the screen and clicking on keyboards and turning people's cameras off on my show. So, yeah, it, it's happened. Hey, you just described what happens when you record with me. Usually I click keyboards and run across my screen and close my camera off and all those things you said. Yeah, I actually have a camera lid now that I can just close and just shut myself off from you now. So that some elements of truth for this myth of, of I prep my show well, recording will be easy. While prep can't guarantee it makes it an easy process, it can make the recording process easier. For example, doing good prep on your episode can help reduce the amount of times that you have to stumble filled recording sessions and you actually know what you're about to say or what you should say at least so if you have to reset yourself at least you're resetting yourself to something you know you're going to say next steven why don't you talk about another recording myth yeah the next one that we've got is that you need to conform to a certain delivery style unfortunately this is something that we see happen far too often whether it's someone trying to be like Joe Rogan or a group of hosts trying to emulate NPR, sometimes when hobby podcasters first get behind their mic, they think they have to act like a certain personality. Here's why we disagree with this. We think that when you have a podcast, you need to be authentic on that podcast. And being authentic comes with a bunch of benefits to you as a hobby podcaster, which includes making your podcast more enjoyable. Whether that's giving your real opinion on a Talking Head podcast or telling a story that you really truly enjoy, enjoy telling on a storytelling podcast, being authentic can make that process of podcasting a lot more enjoyable for you. And this goes with your delivery of your podcast as well. If you try to be someone else or deliver like someone else, you will probably find yourself exhausted sooner as you continue to try to emulate this each week. Now, what's the element of truth behind this? Well, with that said, the element of truth is that there are different occasions where 
it might be best to mold or craft your delivery to a certain image. For example, if you start off right off the bat with 100 mile per hour high energy, well, that might be a little bit much for an audience coming into it. And trying to sustain that through the entire episode is going to be really hard to do. And maybe you're dealing with a sensitive subject. Well, you might find that it's important to act overly sensitive and and really deliver that information in an overly sensitive tone because sometimes your normal sensitivity won't translate to the listener and you don't want to come off sounding like you're being insensitive. So there's different occasions where you might want to mold yourself. And yes, this is me confessing right now, right here, right now, that me... The high energy guy that I am is truly me. Steven, how does that make you feel? That seems like a good topic for a future episode of the Better Podcasting live chat. Check it out at betterpodcasting.com. We're going to move on from the recording part and we're going to talk about the editing part now. The myth here, the first myth that we're going to talk about with editing is your show needs to be meticulously edited before you release it. Now, we make it no secret here on Better Podcasting. We think it's beneficial to edit your podcast. But sometimes people can become obsessive when they first start editing. It causes delays and can ruin the fun of podcasting. For many podcasts, every sentence doesn't need to be 100% perfect. Now, some elements of truth here include there's a balance to be found between over-editing and not editing enough. Editing your podcast can help it make it more listenable for your audience. Also, timeliness is also important, as is your sanity. So if you're over-editing, your sanity is going to go out the window and it's not going to be fun for you anymore. So yes, your show needs to be meticulously edited before you release it as a myth, but probably need a little editing as you go along. Now, talking about editing, Stephen, what is a editing DAW that keeps on coming up? It's weird. This next one just seems to have become what the norm is when people think about getting into editing. And the myth is that Audacity is the podcast editing software that you should start with as you start podcasting. A lot of podcasters do use Audacity as their editing software because it's free and it's just ended up being that there's a lot of information on it because a lot of people are now using it. However, it's not always the best place that all podcasters should start on. While a lot of people do start with Audacity and treat it somewhere to grow from, it actually does have a lot of downsides when you look at it objectively. There are some relatively inexpensive alternatives available that offer a lot more in it. For example, Reaper you can pay a small fee for that, and it's a much more powerful tool. And while they can be a lot more complicated, you sometimes can save a ton of time by overcoming that challenge of learning that complicated uh, software upfront during that initial learning. So there are benefits to starting at a higher uh, featured editor if you think you're going to go there eventually. Now, here's the element of truth behind that is that Audacity can be a good place to start because as we said, it is free and there's a lot of good tutorials out there. So it's not a bad place to start, but you could potentially be painting yourself into a corner because it does operate a lot differently 
than many other DAWs that are out there. So you really got to ask yourself, what is that learning curve that I'm comfortable with right now up front? And if it's the fact that there's a lot of podcast-specific YouTube videos out there about Audacity, then maybe, yeah, you do want to start there. But if you know this is just short-term thing, well, maybe you want to just get that pain out of the way right away and learn the more complicated DAW right up front. There's something to be said about using a non-destructive digital audio workstation versus Audacity, which is inherently destructive. So just keep that in mind when you're choosing your DAW. Another myth from editing is that once your episode is published, you'll never need your editing files again. There's a lot of podcasters that operate with the belief that you post a podcast episode and you look to the forward and not to the past. And Steven's actually a big advocate of this. We've had a lot of discussions about this when it comes to the Starling Tribune in specific. As such, it means that there is often the belief that when you post the episode, you never need to edit it again. But here's the thing. Just because you are focused on the future doesn't mean that you'll never have to go back and edit the past episodes. A great example of this is a podcast where a story is being told and somebody will go back to the back catalog before they listen to the current episodes. Sometimes you may want to go back and re-edit those episodes if there's something that you think would be a distraction for the listener, such as terrible EQ, some noise in the background, etc. Perhaps you want to change an intro or an outro or remove something that you spoke about before, like a service you recommended at the time, but you just can't now. R.I.P. Blap. There are many reasons you might potentially go back and edit a podcast later. Here's some elements of truth to the fact that once the episode is published, you'll never need your editing files again. In this case, we think it's important to think about why the statement matters. In general, it's because of technical things like storage space long term. As storage space isn't always unlimited, the likelihood of you Re-editing the files is a consideration, and if it's less likely that you'll want to re-edit the files, you may not have value in maintaining those files long term. Stephen, I think we're done with the editing. Why don't we move on to the publishing? Sure. The first myth that we have for publishing is that you should never, ever break your release schedule. Man, have I heard so many people say this before. This is one that we've covered a couple times before, but we can't state it enough. And since we're doing a whole episode about myths, we really needed to include it. And this myth often does come up because there have been a lot of people who have seen results from creating a consistent release schedule over the years. As such, it's often been stated that you need to always release an episode according to the schedule that you determine for your podcast. But you're a hobby podcaster and you are balancing fun with your personal life. And if you let your personal life suffer because of your podcast and trying to stick to that schedule, eventually you'll probably stop having fun with your podcast or worse, you might actually really suffer in your personal life. That's why we think it's important that hobby podcasters don't treat their release schedule as gold and you do allow yourself to be flexible on occasion with it. Now, the element of truth with this is that it is very hard to grow a podcast that has an overall inconsistent release schedule. This is because listeners will likely forget about your show 
and maybe move on to another one while they wait for that next episode. Next thing you know, you're sitting at the back of their phone, eventually going to come back to you, but that eventual time never happens and you're deleted off their phone. So that's why we think that it's important that you do establish a release schedule that works for you most of the time and occasionally allow yourself to deviate from that release schedule. For example, if you're going on a vacation, if you can't stack up an episode, allow yourself to take a week off and communicate it to your listeners. Or if something comes up in your personal life and it gets in the way, allow yourself to be a day or two late while you sort out those things. Not like that just happened on the last episode of Better Podcasting Live Chat or anything. No. But we do think that you should largely stick to the release schedule that you determine up front that suits your personal life. So you should definitely set yourself a schedule that you can meet most of the time. Moving on to the next myth here is you need unique artwork on every episode. If you take a look at podcasts that have a high production budget, you might find that they often have a similarity. Each episode has its own unique image. Like with YouTube video, this helps differentiate each episode and helps give its own unique visual. There are some people who believe that this is a requirement for podcasters. Here's the thing. Our opinion is that as hobby podcasters, there are better things to spend your time on. Coming up with a unique image for each episode can be time-consuming. Creating a visual brand that works for multiple images but has a similar look and find an image that matches the content you can legally use putting together the image. These are all considerations that take time, time that you probably don't have as a hobby podcaster. Unless this is the fun part for you, then go for it. When it's 1030 at night and you have to work the next day, it can feel like a really heavy lift if you have to create that episode, that new image for the next episode. So, yeah, we don't think that it's a requirement. Is it neat? Yeah, is it a requirement? No. So here's some elements of truth of this. It can help make a better visual impact with a listener. A listener looking at your podcast history might be drawn in to check out a specific episode if they see something that stands out for that episode. It's a lot easier to glance at a thumbnail versus reading a description. We're a visual society now, especially with smart devices, smartphones, and smart tablets. It can also help you stand out and give you that more professional feel, but ultimately you're going to have to need to strike that right balance between the two. And for a lot of hobby podcasters, they don't have the graphic design experience, so this might just be too much work. Let's move on to our next category, which is promotion. And the first myth is that you need to have a dedicated website to successfully attract people to your podcast. Now, we don't believe that this is true for podcasting in today's world. And for a podcaster, a dedicated website really does serve two main purposes. Number one, it provides a way for people to better find you when they're searching in a traditional search manner, like on Google. If they're searching for your podcast subject matter, they might happen to come across your website and then you draw them in by having a website. That's number one. The second thing is that it creates a location to upload supporting material that is related to your podcast, such as uh, show contact information or articles related to what you're talking about, maybe material that you reference, things like that. 
those are really the two main benefits to podcasters who do have a website. But the thing is, it's likely in 2021, there is going to be a specific percentage of your listeners that have found you through something else, like a podcast listening app or a podcast directory, maybe on Spotify. This just comes with the nature of more and more people being familiar with the idea of podcasting and really ending up having their podcast in one dedicated spot on their device. It's not necessarily going through Google anymore to find their podcast. It's kind of the the current channel surfing of the podcast world. And as such, they may never even look at your website if they are one of those listeners who do largely keep their podcast listening in one space. As such, we think that a dedicated website for a podcaster is becoming less of a priority. Now, what is the elements of truth to this? Well, with this one, we do think that there is a really, really, really important element of truth, which is that we do think you should still have a domain name for your podcast. And ultimately, a domain name tends to be associated with a website, but it doesn't have to be a dedicated website. We think that podcasters should own a domain for their podcast because first, it helps support your brand name. Often when people are looking to see if a podcast name is available, they will go and they'll look to see if the domain is available. So if someone goes and they're going to start a podcast that happens to be the same name as your podcast, and they see that that domain is available, they might assume, well, that podcast doesn't exist. So that would be a shame if someone went and registered a domain for the name of your podcast after you started your podcast. But worse off, What happens if they do this and the audience that potentially is coming to your podcast sees that first because they have the domain? What sort of perception are they going to have? Are they going to assume that they were the original because they have the domain? I think that that's an unnatural assumption for many people to have. And as a hobby podcaster, can you really afford to legally challenge it even though you might have been around for years before? Probably not. So having a domain can be a really good thing to at least on the surface show people that you are that podcast. Really quick before Stephen moves on, I just want to state what a domain is. It is that web URL that you type in like myhobbypodcast.com and that will lead you to your website. So I just want to say that for somebody that might not know what a domain name is. Thank you for that. The second thing is it does allow you having a domain to always reference a consistent location if you're going to send people somewhere to view anything related to your podcast. It's much easier to say myhobbypodcast.com versus a very long media host website address. And the other element of truth in this is that there is still some form of relevance to having a web presence on the internet for your podcast, especially when you look at search algorithms and how Google Podcasts is using their own Google directory to try to index podcasts. But there are many media host-based solutions that offer a basic website that I would say is not a dedicated website, but serves most of the podcast purposes that podcasters need for a website. So while you don't need to run an independent website, it can be beneficial to embrace what offerings you might happen to have if your media host does offer you 
uh, form of web presence. The next myth I'd like to discuss is something that I've noticed ever increasing in the space in 2021, latter part of 2020 and definitely 2021. The myth is you have to spend money to get people to find your podcast. Now, the podcasting space could be a little hard when it comes to discoverability. This has been the case for many years now. And this is not factoring in that there are now big companies spending big money on advertising. So that means you have to spend big money to get noticed, right? And we don't think so, but you're going to have to have realistic expectations. There are other ways that you can attract an audience. Podcasting can be a very intimate experience, and listeners often choose the podcast that they listen to based on a variety of factors, including the unique offerings that the show has. Perhaps it's connection with the host, maybe it's their material presentation style, stuff like that. By that note, It means that money in advertising doesn't guarantee listeners. A company advertising a podcast that doesn't leave the listener with much entertainment likely won't yield high sustained listenership, which gets us to the truth behind the myth. If your podcast is in a market that is heavily occupied by big money, it's going to be an uphill climb to get noticed. As such, you should expect that you'll likely have just a fraction of their listenership. The reality is that getting listeners can sometimes be a little bit of a sales pitch and they're pitching to more people than you are because they're spending money to get their product in front of more people. The odds are they'll more quickly close the sale than you just because of this volume alone. So you definitely still can carve out your own audience, but it's unlikely that you'll be able to match their audience size, at least not in the same time frame that they will. It's not impossible, though, and we spent some time a couple episodes ago talking specifically about promoting your show in 2021 as a hobby podcaster versus the big corporations out there. But it's definitely a myth that we wanted to address in this show as well. The next section and the final section is our miscellaneous section. And let's begin with the myth that there is only one definition of a podcast. We believe that the definition of a podcast is ultimately whatever the mainstream public thinks of it. The definition of a podcast used to be very clear as it was a fairly niche medium largely driven by very technical minds that had all sorts of technical explanations of what a podcast was. However, we do believe that podcasting is evolving and we do think that what a podcast is right here and right now might not be what it's defined as in the future. But what is the element of truth before this? Now, we won't get too far into the weeds on this one, but we do think the element of truth, though, is that there will be an expectation by the public of what a podcast is. And whatever that expectation is, the bottom line is that if you don't meet that expectation, you might possibly end up being deemed by the audience to not be a podcast, And they might not listen to you because they go, that's not a podcast. So whatever that is, whatever that definition is, you should be aware of it so that you make sure if you want to still be in the podcasting space, you're not being exiled by your your potential listeners as not a podcast. Now, we might get a little bit more into this next week. You know, it's funny that you mentioned this whole definition of a podcast. And I just want to say, you know, my sister, she's mentally handicapped. She can't say podcast. So 
So what she does is she calls it a prodcast. So to me, podcasts are quickly becoming prodcasts. So that's just a little aside in SP's world. So our final myth is one that we're going to be very passionate about. In fact, we've dedicated an entire episode to busting it. The myth is success equals the number of listeners to your show. This is one of the myths that we're the most passionate about breaking because often when podcasters begin, they get so obsessed with their statistics. I'm one of them. They eat, breathe, and sleep podcast stats. I've actually had elaborate spreadsheets that looked into it. Often podcasters think that the only way to be successful is to have a lot of listeners. As hobby podcasters, though, we don't think that you should be fixated on your podcast number of listeners. Instead, you should find other reasons to motivate you to podcast. This is because it's hard climb to grow your show as a hobby podcaster, as we just talked about. And if your only motivating factor is the number of listeners, you're probably going to give up before you can get to a level that keeps you motivated. There are a variety of other ways to measure the success of a podcast, from personal achievements to impact on an industry. There are many variables of success that people can often find. In fact, Podcast success is so subjective to hobby podcasters. We did a whole episode of it, and it's episode 140 of Better Podcasting. We'd encourage you to check out the episode, and you can hear a bunch of listeners who answered this question for us that are fellow hobby podcasters. The main element of truth with this myth that we want to talk about is that a podcast generally needs to have some form of listeners to feel motivated for you to feel motivated as a podcaster. If you never get any feedback about your podcast and it's very unlikely you're going to continue, you probably feel like you're talking to a wall or in my case, feel like you're talking to Steven. So the more interactions you can have outside of Steven, the more engaging it can be for a podcaster. And if you have more listeners, the chances are you'll have more interactions. In summary, today we talked about a variety of different hobby podcast myths that we're passionate about. And there are many more that we could have covered. But in this episode, we talked about these in different sections of the podcast production process in the hopes that it will help hobby podcasters filter out some of that noise and keep motivated with their podcasting. There are a variety of different ways to podcast, and we hope that today's episode helps you objectively look at the podcast advice the next time somebody tells you that podcasting has to be a certain way. What podcast myths were you surprised that you were just learning are a myth? And was there anything that you felt an element of truth to it? Let us know. Seriously, let us know. We want to know what you think are podcast myths today and what you think are the elements of truth of that. You can get those to us on our Twitter at BetterPod. But more importantly, you can send us a clip to our email at podcast at betterpodcasting.com Or come on and join a discussion about podcast myths on our Discord server at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. This is the Better Podcasting Download. Oh, SP. I think it's time that I do it. It's been a long time. It's been 249 episodes. And I think that it's time that I finally finally have a potty mouth on this show. So let's just go ahead and do it right now. This has just been a fun episode for us to do. (laughs) Oh, Stephen, are you having fun with your newfound firmware toy? 
Yes, the Roadcaster Pro firmware public beta for version 2.1.2 is now available. Now, before we get in depth on this, I just want to say that Rode themselves warns that the beta version should not be used for critical recording as it's not guaranteed to be firmly stable. However, there's a bunch of new toys that they put out in there, one of which is the vaunted beep that Steven just said, but there's also a trash talk mode. So there's a swear button that will beep out audio on the fly. There's that trash talk mode, which mutes the output to remote callers. And uh, as we discovered, other podcasters on the same show. Yeah. And there are there's a bunch of goodies in this, Steven. Yeah, it's uh, quite quite the update coming. Um, I think it's probably not the biggest one that they've done, but they're really refining it looks like with this update um, uh, certain niches, which is really interesting because I'll, I'll give you an example. That trash talk mode that SP mentioned is exactly what he said, which is that anybody that is connected to the roadcaster that is not local. Um, so if it's a USB audio signal coming in to the board or it's, uh, or sorry, going out from the board to say like uh, OBS Ninja or to Skype or whatever, or someone through the um, TRRS. So like if you have a phone plugged into it, what happens when you do that trash talk mode all of the recording still hears what you're saying. If you're streaming out to through the um, multi-track ability on the Rodecaster Pro, they hear what you're saying. But those that are connected to you through those scenarios, the USB or the TRRS through the phone, um, they, they don't hear you. So you can trash talk them and they don't know about it, but everybody else does. So that's what they call it. They literally call it the trash talk mode. And uh, they they make a joke and they're like, we'll let you figure out what you can do with it. And I thought that that was kind of interesting. And then the beep, that actually does mute all of the channels when you do it. So if you use it, you actually don't need to worry about going in after and muting everybody. So it not only is it adding that beep, but it is muting those tracks on the recording. And you can replace that sound as well. The one you just heard was the default sound but you can go in and replace that with whatever you want. So if like, say you wanted it to say maple syrup every time you could do that. And I believe it loops. Um, I haven't tried that. That's just what I read. And um, yeah, I, uh, I've actually dug out the Roadcaster Pro recently. We talked about it on the last Better Podcasting live chat just to see what sort of updates have happened. And I thought uh, after giving it a couple episodes to try on the stable firmware, I would try this public beta firmware. And those are uh, kind of cool little features that are added. In addition, they are adding um, the USB MIDI controller support, meaning that you could use the sound pads um, to a as a MIDI controller. And what that is, is a MIDI controller is basically a type of interface that um, it it's a standard that you can make a button do a thing in the software is what it basically boils down to. And so you've got that ability to do that. And I believe that means that you could, if you've got OBS set up with the, the MIDI controller, I believe um, you can go and program, say, a button to change a scene on OBS um, from the Roadcaster Pro. As well, they did add an ASIO and ASIO driver for people who are needing that ASIO driver. Now, the the... 
Discord server we have at betterpodcastings.com slash Discord. I had someone in there say that that driver needs some more work and they weren't having the best experience. I haven't tried that yet. So quite the update. And again, very niche updates. I think this is good because the bulk of the mainstream updates have finally had those boxes checked. And now they're getting into some of the niche updates, which is which is great. And I think it's good to see that they're they're not stopping at, at hitting the mainstream. They're now trying to get some of these more unique things in there. I am glad that they're continuing the firmware development. Unfortunately, there's some hardware limitations with the Roadcaster Pro, which is preventing yeah. me from saying, I am definitely going to buy this. We talked about it before. And I am still looking forward to a next generation hardware improvement before I make my decision to buy one to replace all the stuff that I have in my studio. Would it be nice to have one to play with? Yeah, it would. But honestly, it's just going to end up cluttering the office behind me. And I know I'm not going to use it for long term because I know the limitations. I'm just not going to be comfortable with long term. But aside from that, I am glad that they're continuing to develop. They have not dropped the ball on supporting this piece of hardware. So if you're worried about getting the Roadcaster Pro and it not being supported, at some point, Road is going to stop supporting firmware updates. But for now, it continues to be a supported piece of hardware. And to that, SP, I just have to say, I f- enjoy podcasting with you. I fracking enjoy podcasting with you, too. <laughs> This is where we here at Better Podcasting turn the show over to you as we run through some of your feedback. We call this segment Better Podback. In a previous episode of Better Podcasting, we're asked about podcast award shows. And with a great thing about the Better Podcasting community and specifically the Better Podcasting Discord server is that the discussion continued there. So it was really great to see that there was more information that was passed through about podcast competitions and podcast awards. So John Badger, who is the producer behind the audio drama that it was on, and again, many thanks, John, for having me on that audio drama. He actually did a bunch of research into the podcast awards and the available awards out there. There's a lot that have been closed over the years, and I actually shared an older list that I had with him that again, we confirmed a lot of those were closed from that. But there are a lot of things that are out there now too, like the BBC Drama Awards that occurs in February. So kind of missed it for this year. But next year, if you have an audio drama, you might be thinking about the BBC Drama Awards. And there's just a bunch of awards. We're going to have it in the show notes. I'm not going to go through all of them. But there are a lot of awards for independent podcasters and hobby podcasters and audio drama podcasts that aren't part of the big podcast, dare I say mafia, definitely industry out there that are paid and and they're they're big paid productions. Some of these are on the list are you have to have an entry fee to get into it. And I can understand that from a certain point of view where you're actually paying people to sit down and review the podcast when they come in. If you have that sort of review process with your awards, I can see there being a monetary uh, part to that. But also, you have to be careful about that. You have to make sure that it's not a money-making scheme that's going on and that you're actually getting some value out of it if it's there. So there are 
location awards, like the Australian Podcast Awards were in September. The Audio Awards have a July deadline or had one last year. Uh, the Parsec Awards had been going on for a long time in conjunction with Dragon Con. And since Dragon Con didn't happen last year, of course, there wasn't any podcast. Uh, Parsec Awards. I actually, one of my co-hosts was a Parsec Award winner. So Sean, my co-host on Voices of Defiance in his previous show had won a Parsec Award. So I'm very familiar with the pod Parsec Awards. It used to be the place where hobby podcasters could get awards, but there's just a bunch of different ones out there right now. And if you have an awards system out there that hobby podcasters or independent podcasters can play in a little bit more than others, please let us know and uh, we will continue that discussion over on our Discord server and talk about them as they come up. Well, that was a fun episode, SP. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, I won't use the beep again. I was going to, but I won't. Uh, we want, though, you, the listener, to tell us what sort of things do you want us to get into in the future on better podcasting. If you could email us to podcast at betterpodcasting.com, that would be great. Or you can come to our discord at betterpodcasting.com slash discord. Cause next time it's episode 250 of better podcasting. And so uh, I think that's going to officially um, wrap up our uh, pilot episode of better podcasting. 250 <laughs> was our pilot, right? Yeah. But finally <laughs> we're, we're getting that done. Yeah. You have a lot of good, fun content coming up. We were just discussing it over the past week or so. Uh, the next episode we have had set in stone for quite some time. Matter of fact, uh, just after we did 200, we we're like, what are we going to do for 250? So we've had this idea for, for some time. I'm looking forward to future topics that we do. And, and yes, I will echo Stephen. If you have content that or questions that we can answer in an episode that we can publish for everybody out there, please let us know. And we will put that together as best we can and get it out to everybody. The one thing that keeps on coming up, though, is oftentimes there's a topic and we go, oh, yeah, we did that on episode such and such. So yeah. uh, we, we do we look at topics like, do we really need to recover this? So if it's some if it's a topic, please let it that we've covered before. Please let us know and we'll take a look on if we need to do it again. But we do this for you. You're the you're the listener. You're the hobby podcaster. And we just want to make your show better. And the more that we can do that for you, the better off that we're going to be as a show. And there's one other thing I just want to give a little bit of information about. We've mentioned it quite a bit, the Better Podcasting live chat. And, and what it is, is each week, SP and I have a bunch of topics that are podcast related. Sometimes it's our personal life. Sometimes it's things in the industry. And we form just uh, some bullet points that we want to talk about but they all get preempted by any chat questions or questions we're asked ahead of time. Those get the priority. So we start there and then we weave in some of these other ones throughout as well. But uh, it's really about people who have questions and sometimes they're short, sometimes they're long and we give our opinion on it. So it is pretty much unedited. So uh, it's there's a lot more stuttering and there's a lot more ums and a lot more different pauses and whatnot. But we would love if you want if you could check that out just because it is a different show and we'd like to know what do you like about it and give us some feedback on that as well. That's over at betterpodcasting.com. 
And just want to reiterate, that is a different RSS feed. So yes. if you're subscribed to this show, you will not get those episodes. You'll have to subscribe to that show as well. Better Podcasting Live Chat. That's the name of the show in your podcatcher. So for episode 249 of Better Podcasting, I'm Stephen John Drew. Or wait, am I Adam Savage? Wait, which one am I? You're the wall that I talk to every week. <laughs> and, and I'm SP. We're glad that you listened to the show and we look forward to talking with you in the future. Bye. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, Please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew of Gunna Geek Productions. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.